Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 20. And it says this, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciple of the Lord, or the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest. This is Paul, the apostle before his conversion. His name was Saul. And he went to the high priest and he asked for letters from him to the synagogues or the churches of Damascus because he was murdering Christians for their faith so that if he found any who were of the way, or Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, the Lord? And then the Lord Jesus said to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. When you persecute God's people, you are not persecuting a person. You're persecuting Jesus. And he said, it is hard for you to kick against the goads or the prick. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men journeyed with him, stood speechless, because they heard the voice, but they saw no one. And then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And there he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. He was fasting. And there was a certain disciple named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here am I, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision... He seen a man, Ananias, coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered the Lord, and he says, I have heard from many about this man and how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has had authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, and he entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, he has sent me that you may receive your sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. And he had received some, some food and he was strengthened. 
Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he preached the gospel of Christ in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. You may have your seats. Thank you. For those of you who are not familiar with this church, God gave me a slogan early on. And um, of course, the name of the church is called Ascension Christian Center. Um, But God gave me a slogan with three words. And it's called reach up, reach forward, and reach out. For some of you who are new, we're going to teach you. It's going to look like a little bit of exercise. Reach up. Come on, reach up. Y'all stop acting like prunes. Reach up. Reach forward. And reach out. One more time. Reach up. Reach forward. Reach out. This is the DNA of the church. If, If I could say in three words what this church is all about, it's up, forward, out. What do I mean by that? You probably see a little bit of the reaching up part during the worship time. Reaching up simply means we are reaching up because my, my desire is to see everyone have a level of intimacy with the Lord more than anything else in their lives. A pastor's goal, a minister's goal is to connect the hearts of the people with Jesus I said the main goal of any minister is to take the hands of the saints and connect it to the Holy Spirit through Jesus. Come on, I wish I would get two or three amens for that. It also means identity, relationship, sonship, daughtership, meaning you and God to create an environment where intimacy can happen between you and the Lord. I believe that gone are the days where church is going to do. Just church. Now, I believe we should all gather corporately. I believe that we should all gather for worship. I believe that we should all be taught and trained the word of God to grow as individuals. But, one of the, but I have seen people who know the word of God yet have no intimacy with Jesus. Oh, y'all aren't, y'all aren't saying nothing this morning. I said, I have seen people who say they love Jesus, but their lifestyle doesn't say the same thing. I've seen people who say they love Jesus and they miss three services out of the month. If you say you love someone, you spend time with them. If you don't get it here, get it somewhere. But one of the most vital things in any person's life is your relationship, your intimacy with Jesus. Everybody say this, into me, you see. That's what happens in intimacy between you and the Lord. This goes far beyond physical affection between a, man and, between a man and a woman. Intimacy goes far beyond that. It is, it is connection of the soul and spirit becoming one. It's you understanding his heart. It's you understanding his mind for your life. It's you becoming one with Jesus. You and him, him and you becoming one. So that's one of our DNAs. I want to create an environment whereby the Holy Spirit can move freely and us as ministers, we step back and we let him move on the hearts of the people. 
I was not raised in church. I guess I started going to church at about seven years old, but early on, I was not really introduced to the Holy Spirit. I heard a lot about Jesus, but most of what I heard was very cold and calculated. A lot of information, but no transformation. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of getting a lot of information. I need a touch from him. I need the Lord to touch and change my heart. And here's what messed me up is because as a 17-year-old boy, that's exactly what happened. Now, that doesn't seem very old to you, but when you're on the streets for two years from that point on, it's a long time. I was out on the streets by about the age of 15. I was selling drugs uh, by probably the age 12 years old. And so uh, I was living on the streets for about two years. My mom had gotten remarried, and I was a heathen. I mean, I was completely as far away from God as anyone could possibly be, completely godless. But my mother always would tell me this, and I remember this, even on the streets selling drugs and far away from God, she would say, God has a plan for your life. She didn't know much about the Bible, but she knew God had a plan for my life. And so she would remind me of that just about every time I would see her. God has a plan for your life. It's hard to feel that God has a plan for your life when your dad is murdered and your mother is away and just about um, everything in your life is wrong. It's hard to see God at work. But can I tell you, just like the song says, even though you cannot sense him, he's there. Even though you can't see his hand at work in your life, he's there. He's omnipresent everywhere all at one time. And those of you who are in this room this morning, and I sense that there are some people here this morning who say, yeah, preacher, I I know that the word of God says that he is there, but I don't feel that he is there. But let me tell you something. When I was 17 years old, I did something terrible. And I remember just about all of Orange County. Look, I'm making some of the members at the church squirm. They're like, "Uh uh-oh. I remember... I did something extremely terrible. I don't want to go into the details because I do not like to gloat in what was because the person standing here now uh, is, the, the old man is dead. In other words, this person that's standing before you now is a completely different person. But I had always called out to God. Some words were not very nice on what I would say to God. I would never repeat them. I was extremely angry with God. My dad was murdered when I was nine and I was on the streets. I just had no hope. No, no light at the end of the tunnel. But sovereignly, one day, what happened to Paul in this particular portion of Scripture that I just read happened to me. And my life was changed forever. And I will never be the same. And I remember the streets were filled with red and blue lights. And I remember the police releasing the dogs, telling me they're going to let the dogs in the house, unbeknownst to them, I was in the backyard hiding under this big wheelbarrow. It was a giant wheelbarrow in a backyard under a, um, it was inside of, uh, what do you call those sheds? But it was an open shed with lots of tools. So they didn't, they didn't find me. They got about 20 feet from me. When all of a sudden, and I was drinking that night, and I was doing drugs that night, and I thought I was hallucinating. And all of a sudden, as I'm hearing all this commotion all around me, All of a sudden, I go into this vision, and I have never had since an open vision. Never since. But that time, I had a vision. And I heard a voice. And in this vision, I seen two roads. One road was extremely dark, and one road was extremely light. 
The road that was filled with light had peace. I could see peace. I could see joy. I could feel a sense of God's fulfillment for my life. I, could, I felt satisfied. I don't know. I just felt like home was down that road. But this other road was dark, and it had footsteps. And in the dream, it was like I, in the vision, I, I was awake, like I'm looking at you right now. As I seen this dark road, I seen footsteps, and immediately I knew without anybody telling me those footsteps were the footsteps of my father. And I knew if I were to continue down the road that I was going, I would either end up in two places, prison or dead. Not long before that, my friend who was just right down the road from there was shot in the face. It was a drive-by shooting. Many of my friends have since either are dead or in prison. And I knew the Lord was calling me. And I knew at that moment, it's as if I felt the conviction of the Lord that he would not call again. And there are some times in your lives when God will call you, but he will not call again. And I feel this morning by the Holy Spirit, he's calling some of you, not to a religion, but into a relationship. I knew if I didn't leave that lifestyle, I would either end up dead or in prison. And I heard these words, choose this day who you will serve. Almost 20 years later, I've never looked back. I've never been back. I've never touched the drugs. I've never touched the alcohol. I've never looked back. But that same Holy Spirit, he's no respecter of persons. He's looking for people this morning to take their lives, their lives that seem insignificant, seemed like you have no future, and he wants to give you a calling this morning. And each of us have a calling. Some of your callings are not to be behind a pulpit, but it's to be the most amazing mom who's supposed to raise a preacher or a governor or somebody who's going to make divine impact in life. I heard this book title before. It was entitled, I Saved One, But He Saved Millions. It's a story about a Christian man who got an amazing man of God. If I mentioned his name, you would know it, who shook the world. He only got one, people, one person saved in his life, but the guy he got saved shook the entire world at that time in the 80s and in the 90s. And I believe that God is doing that right now. The Bible says that in the last days, he will pour out his spirit. This is in the book of Joel in the Old Testament. In the last days, say the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, men and women. This is a church that believes both men and women can be used of the Lord. I wish I would get two, at least two amens on that. Men and women. Kids. Kids are prophesying next door. I've been hearing some amazing testimonies with that. Now, that was kind of the first thing about you know, reaching up and, of course, reaching forward. I was never satisfied with just going to church. My desire, and I think my primary destiny is this second one, is to help other people reach forward. Come on, reach out in front of you. Reach forward into your purpose and calling. For 10 years too long, I sat on the first row and never had opportunity to be used of the Lord. I believe now more than ever, God is calling people onto the front lines of battle. And he wants to use your giftings for his kingdom. Why? For the expansion of his kingdom. 
Do you know Jesus? He says once every ear, he will, he will not come until every ear hears, which means we all have to get busy if y'all want to get out of here. Jesus is not coming back until every ear hears. That's what the Bible says. And that's his desire, that all men would be saved. Everybody come to the knowledge of the truth. So if that's going to happen, we all have to take up our role in the kingdom of God and listen to the calling and obey the calling and position ourselves to be used of him. Come on, how many want to be positioned? Come on, in these last days. Oh, only three of you? I don't know about you, but I want to be used. I, want to, I don't want to just sit on the front row. I don't, I don't want to just hear the word. I want the word to become revelatory to me and move me off of my blessed assurance and get to work building God's kingdom until we see his kingdom come and his will be done where? On, on what? As it is in as it is in heaven. And one of our third, our third slogan is to reach out. Everybody say reach out. This is reaching out into the community. I didn't want to give this away. I'm really hoping, I believe it is going to happen, but we'll see. Um, this past week, I got a call from uh, a gentleman. I had been praying about a large box truck. How many know what a box truck is? It's a large box truck, like, like the big U-Haul box trucks, but this one is a really big one. And um, it's probably a $25,000 truck. And it just so happens, this, as I'm praying about it uh, the past two weeks, I get a call. And uh, this gentleman says, hey, I know this guy who has a fleet of vehicles. A fleet meaning several. And he's getting rid of them for, for almost nothing. I said, that can't be true. I, everything is really priced really high right now. And, um, and so he sent me the picture. And as soon as I seen the picture, I said, this is a twenty-five dollars or $30,000 truck, between twenty and thirty for sure. So he sends it to me. He says he wants $4,000 for this truck. And I said to myself, Lord, this cannot be true. I said, I, I think he, dis he misplaced the comma. And there's, he needs to add an extra zero because I'm thinking it's $40,000 for this truck. I text him back. I said, well, why only $4,000? And he gave me no rebuttal. It was $4,000. So I go and I see the truck. Now, unbeknownst to me, he said, listen, my company has a, a contract with Disney. I've been with them since the 90s. And it's being dissolved. And so I'm retiring. I'm 67 years old. I'm just kind of selling everything at a, a really low cost. I just want to get rid of everything. And I wanted, I'll show it next week, but uh, we're, in the, uh, we're in the process of purchasing this 24-foot box truck. Now, here's what it's used for. It's, it's used for food outreach because Southeastern Food Bank, which is a local food bank, wants to supply us with thousands of pounds of food weekly to feed the community, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So my commitment is to do one of these outreaches at least once a month. But our desire and our goal, especially when we have this truck, wait till you see it. It's amazing. Such favor from the Lord. When you do what God calls you to do, he will supply. Amen? And so one of our goals is to do one of these outreaches once a month and um, prayerfully uh, within the next year we'll do it weekly. That's one of my desires is to not just preach it but to do it. Come on. Somebody say do it. Come on. Even better than Nike. Hallelujah. Been deep in my heart this morning. I woke up super early. You guys are going to have to forgive me and give me lots of wiggle room this morning. Normally, I'm completely prepared with a point-by-point -point sermon, line upon line, precept upon precept. Um, 
I'm trying to become a better student with the Lord. Um, let me just say it like this. Ministry the right way is very difficult. When you do ministry the right way, with the right, let me say it like this. Ministry done with the right heart is very difficult. Ministry done the wrong way, and I've seen it done the wrong way at a massive level, um, is a whole lot easier. And the reason I say that is when I prepare for something, for a message, I sit before the Lord, and sometimes I'll spend 15 hours uh, throughout the week um, just trying to hear what he wants to say to you, what he wants to say to me. And that takes lots of time and patience, and I'm a pretty busy. We, I own a company, for those of you who don't know me. It can be very demanding. I can work easily 60 hours a week there, which I don't because I just have to carve out time for Sunday morning. But as I was sitting before the Lord and I was brushing up this sermon, um, I felt the Lord tell me not to preach it. And I felt that he wanted me to do something completely different. Now, that would be easy if I felt it applied to me. But I just feel it's something that God wants to release to the body of Christ, meaning you all and you all who are watching through live stream. And I'll tell you what it was. As I was sitting before the Lord, it was 4 a.m. in the morning, and I got up, and as soon as I put my worship on, put, the worship, put a worship song on, I had my AirPods in, the, the first lyrics that began to come out of my AirPods, I began to weep like a baby. I began to weep. Now, I have to tell you this. The Lord has delivered me from... Uh, from not being able to cry. Did you hear what I just said? He has taught me to feel again because going through so much trauma as a kid, I had a hard time. Uh, I talked, sat with a pastor friend of mine. They were sending me out. And I said, do you think I'm going to be able to do this? I, have a, I, I love God's work, but, but I have a hard time. You know, My heart is not uh, as soft as I would like it to be. And uh, as I started this church, I see the Lord heal, beginning to heal my heart. When someone would come to me, they'd tell me, can I be just transparent? Are, y'all got, are you guys ready for transparency? Aren't you tired of the cold, calculated stuff? Someone would come to me and tell me about their bills, or they would tell me about a lost loved one. And going through everything that I went through, my heart was very calloused. It wasn't that I didn't care, as I couldn't feel what they felt because of all the trauma I had been through. And the Lord just began to breathe on my heart and, and fill me with life once again. You remember that scripture I quoted that he will take out the heart of flesh, excuse me, the heart of stone and put in you the heart of flesh? That's what God wants to do and fill your heart. And so as I'm sitting before the Lord this morning, I was weeping like a baby. I couldn't even concentrate. And, and for no other reason, not because something's going wrong in my life, but just because I, I desire more of him. I want to see his will done in your lives, in my lives, more than I ever have before. So there's been in my heart this insatiable, unquenchable hunger and desire to pursue him like I never have before. How many relationships have we been on, in, in it, been in, rather? Have they satisfied you? Has money satisfied you? Did Trump satisfy you? Does Biden satisfy you? Does Friday evening, everybody's working to get to Friday just to get to that weekend. Has those weekends satisfied you yet? Funny but true, right? Thank God it's Friday. 
We're always in this constant rat race to satisfaction, yet we're all like in this great big ocean called the world, drinking it up. And as the more we drink it, and if you know this about salt water, the more you drink salted water, the more you get thirsty. And now more than ever, I'm understanding what this woman at the well was feeling in her heart and in her soul. She had been married five times and was now living with her next husband. She was thirsty for relationships, but then Jesus quotes this scripture, whoever drinks this world's water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but in him or her will become in them like a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, I haven't got this all together yet, but there is something to be said about the person who's directly connected with Jesus, whose heart is fully satisfied with him, whether they have a great paying job or they don't, whether they have a husband or don't, or whether they have a wife or don't, whether they have lots of money or they don't, because God has a way of satisfying your heart to the degree that you are connected with him. And can I tell you something this morning? If you are longing for something, if you are empty, if you are thirsty, there is a living well running through the atmosphere of this sanctuary this morning who wants to satisfy you and fill you and give you the peace you need and the joy you need because I have found out in my little 36 years of living that I've made lots of money and I'm still not satisfied. I have had a couple of relationships in my short life and yet I'm still not satisfied. But when I sit before him at 4 a.m. in the morning and I put a worship song in, all the things of this world strangely begin to grow dim and my heart begins to pulse and my desire and my passion for him begins to swell up and my heart becomes satisfied. Are you satisfied this morning? Are you satisfied? Whoever drinks of this world's water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of his water will never thirst. As I began to think about that this morning, and I was sitting before him, he said to me, he said, I want my people to experience this. I want my people to experience my presence to this degree and even more. You know, there's people, I call them asbestos Christians. There's some here right now. I've already picked you off. Some people are mad, like, what kind of church is this? He said, what aspect? Reinhard Bonnke said it like this. You're either flammable or you're fireproof. Reinhard has passed on. He was 80 years old, one of my favorite evangelists. He said he was in a service one time. And um, the Holy Spirit was moving in people's hearts. They were crying and they were weeping. And the Holy Spirit was just touching people. They were weeping everywhere. You know, some... Bent over some on the floor, crying, you know, not shaking, just the Lord was moving on their hearts. And he said, and he said, the Holy Spirit said to him, they are, they are, they are flammable. You know, when the Lord touches their heart in the slightest ways, they're moved. 
And then there was a group, just a small group of a couple of people. And as he was preaching, they just... And the Holy Spirit says, they are as best as Christians. They are fireproof. They cannot catch the fire. And I want to tell you this morning, here's where I wanted to go with this. Is sin in the life of the believer is like asbestos to the Christian. Sin hardens the heart. I can only talk about this not to make anyone feel less than because I'll build you up. Just I need to cut you open first. I've got Band-Aids with me and sutures and things like that. Don't worry, I will stitch you up after. It's because there's not many sins I had not committed. But early on in my relationship with the Lord, I grew up going to a Baptist church. We talked a lot about Jesus, but we talked very little about the Spirit. As I was taught that we are sinners saved by grace. How many heard that before? You are a sinner saved by grace. Where's that in the Bible, first of all? What sin will do in the life of the believer and what the, what the enemy, say the enemy, say the enemy. What the enemy wants to do, meaning the enemy of your soul, the devil, his cohorts, he wants you to fall into a lifestyle of having a pattern of sin. So what he does is as he gets you in a pattern of pornography, of relational brokenness, of divorce, come on, a pattern of stinking thinking. Sometimes it's not externally. Sometimes it's in here. Sometimes it's a critical spirit. Sometimes it's just a person being super critical. That's sin. Did you know that? Being critical. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. Be more critical of people than our own lives. In other words, oh, you want scripture? Take the plank out of your own eye. Right? Versus going after the speck in others' eyes. But what I have found out is little foxes spoil the vine in my own life. And so, listen, the Lord will not remove, the Lord, he removes sins as far as the east is from the west. But here's what the Bible says. It says, if your right arm causes you to sin, what does it say? Cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, speaking of lust or wanting the things of this world, envy and desiring things, lusting for things, money, pleasures, and all of these things, he said, pluck it out because the Lord will not cut out of your life what he has put a sword in your hand for you to cut. And just as much time, here's what I believe the Lord is saying this morning, just as much time as you spend pursuing me and worshiping me, you should be inspecting your lives as to looking at and cutting out those things that are holding you back from becoming all that I've called you to be. Those things that are holding you back from having an intimate relationship with him, being one with him. Think about if you walked in the sanctuary and had a what weren't so sin conscious about what you were doing. You would be able to engage in worship on a whole nother level. Because many of us, when we walk in here and we've got six days of walking through stuff, I'll call it stuff, walking through sin, doing things and all the things that pile up on us, we don't feel worthy to enter into his throne room. We don't feel worthy to worship him. And the Bible talks about when your conscience is seared, you cannot enter in. 
when you were burdened because now you're trying to, to do enough to get good, to be good, so that you can enter in, not really realizing that the blood of Jesus Christ paid for all of that stuff. And when you bring it under the banner of the blood of Jesus, you are cleansed white as snow. And so this morning, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the disease of sin, what it does to the believer. Because what sin wants to do, it wants to set up, uh, how do I say this? It wants to set up this hereditary pattern in your life. If you look at a person whose parents has gone through divorce and you begin to trace family lines, it's because the enemy has set up infrastructure and he has set up a pattern. If mom went through it, more than likely, the enemy has attacked you in that area. If you struggle with lust and women, more than likely, dad did. Am I talking to anybody this morning? What the enemy wants to do in the life of the believer, he wants to set up patterns because it's not just about keeping you in sin. He wants to keep God from setting up godly generational patterns for you in your life. Because God wants to release blessings that you can't contain. Like David said, my cup runneth over. I mean, he wants your cup to run over. Did you know that this morning God wants your cup to run over with joy? Sin goes after the juggler of joy. It's the juggler of the believer's life. Why do I say that? It's what gives you life. Because the joy of the Lord is my... Say it again. The joy of the Lord is my... When you feel weak, it's because your joy has been sapped. More than likely, the reason why your joy has been sapped is from sin in our lives. But there's nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot deal with. And so I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you this morning. I was talking to someone this couple weeks ago, and they said to me, we are all sinners. The Bible says, and I have dozens of scriptures that I won't go into all now, but the Bible says, he who has clean hands, that's the one who ascends into the hill of the Lord. Let me quote it for you. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord except he who has clean hands and a pure heart? God wouldn't tell you to ascend if it wasn't possible. I had struggled with certain sins in my life, and what kept me there is thinking I can never overcome it. How do we overcome it? Look at somebody and say, you want to know how to overcome it? Look, y'all act like y'all don't know. Look at somebody and say, you want to know how to overcome it? I'm not going to ask you to answer them. Reinhard Bonnke said this. I quote him all the time because I love him so much and I respect him. He said, there are people who live on the streets under bridges. And he said, you know, many of them haven't taken a bath. And he said, does that mean soap doesn't exist? He said, no. He said, this man or woman who's living under a bridge can live in a soap factory and not be clean. They can work around it. They can be around it. They can own boatloads of soap bars and not become any more clean. No more than the person. See, I don't like to clean. My wife does. Thank God. I like a clean house, though. Hey, I buy the soap. I buy the cleaners. Sometimes I'll avoid 
little areas, little spills and things like that. Don't throw stones at me, wives. Most of the time, I'm pretty good about it. My wife will tell you. My house will not get any more clean as long as I keep the, chemical, the cleaning chemicals underneath the kitchen cabinet. This is how the blood of Jesus is. You say, why is there still sickness in the world? Why do people die? Why do people get controlled by certain sin and tendencies? Listen, if we want things to get cleaned up in the world, we have to apply the blood of Jesus, namely, to our own lives. We are responsible. He was responsible to bleed and, and, and make, make the blood of Jesus available to us for our cleansing, spiritually speaking, but it's up to you to apply it. I said it's up to you to apply it. Because if, if Jesus had dealt with all the sins in the world, then why is there sin? Can I tell you, he has, but it's up to us to apply it. It's all about application. So when I begin to look at certain areas of my life that were holding me back from receiving Jesus, I stopped saying, Lord, why don't you deal with this sin in my life? And what I started doing is applying the blood of Jesus verbally over that area of my life. Did you hear what I just said? If there's lust in your life, speak to it and say, the blood of Jesus be against you. If there's addiction in your life, Say, the blood of Jesus be against you. If you cannot help but continue to engage in unhealthy relationships with men or women, go after it with the blood of Jesus. I said go after it with the blood of Jesus. Whatever tendencies that are in your life that are keeping you from connecting with him and becoming the best version of you that God desires, apply the blood. Come on, I said apply the blood. I don't care what it is. If you're struggling with fear, apply the blood. If you're struggling in poverty, apply the blood. Hallelujah. And most people settle. They settle in their sin. They settle in their life below what God has intended for them. And can I tell you, this is the reason Paul, when I read the Apostle Paul about his encounter, I'm circling back. I feel like I'm talking like, uh, who's the speaker in the house whenever they, for, for, for Biden, I'll circle back. I'm circling back. Come on, that was funny. That was really funny. If you watch politics, I don't so much. You know, when she can't answer it and she doesn't know what to say, she says, I'm gonna circle back on that one. Most people settle for less than God's best. And Saul, here's the reason Saul was able to come up out of his sin. Do you know he was a murderer? Don't give me that excuse that you can't be used of the Lord. That man that I just read about wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Before his conversion, he murdered Christians. Don't tell me that because you've lived a promiscuous life or because you've had drug addiction or because you don't have the education, you can't be used of the Lord. This guy was a murderer of Christians, but he had an encounter with the Lord. When you have an encounter with the Lord, everything changes. Somebody say, I need an encounter. Encounters change people. Now, we don't chase encounters here at this church. Let me just tell you. That's weird to me. If God just comes out of the cloud and talks to you every day, that's weird. I mean, either awesome or weird, one. But he should speak to you. 
you should have encounter him. We're talking about the risen Savior. We're talking about that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, we preach somebody who died and was resurrected. That's kind of weird in of itself. You should have daily something happening in your heart between you and the Lord. I'm talking about encounter. That changes the human heart. That transforms the human heart. And most people don't receive this because they settle for church. Do not settle for church. Say that. Don't settle for church. Look at somebody and say that right now. Don't settle for church. And this is the reason why he was so effective. He was effective because he he had a personal encounter with the Lord. Can I tell you this? We as Americans, we have settled down for a watered-down Christianity. That really, truly, I say this with a genuine heart. It's ineffective. Services are not enough in themselves. Just the preaching of the word of God is not enough in of itself. We need the Holy Spirit with demonstration among us as long as it's biblical. Come on. As long as it's, I said as long as it's biblical, it can happen here. Amen? How many want to touch from the Lord? So, so don't, don't, don't settle for this just simple Bible reading. Don't, don't settle for uh, attending church on Sundays pass, passively. And don't, don't settle for half-hearted prayers. You do not have to stay in a sinful cycle in your life. God wants to break some things this morning. We, we sung about it. We talked about it. I don't know about you, but I need God to break some things even in my own life. I'm not talking about sinful patterns. I'm just talking about things that are in my way, obstacles that are in my way. Maybe it's not sin for your life, but maybe you have some obstacles, resistance that you're meeting. I can tell you that the power of the Holy Spirit can break those walls down today and move every obstacle Every wall, every mountain, come on, I wish somebody would speak to that thing this morning and say, the Lord rebuke you. Get out of my way. Be cast into the sea. Come on. How many want to walk in their calling? How many want to walk into their destiny? Free yourself from every weight and sin that would so easily beset you this morning. Glory to God. You know what we have to do? We have to contend for that. This past week, we had a prayer meeting. And sometimes my wife just likes me to linger. She's a little bit more quieter than I am. I'm the talker. How many have wives like that? Like one of you guys are more of the talker and one of you guys are a little bit more aggressive. And I said, listen, I said, I'm here to pray and I'm here to contend. I'm not here to sit. And too many people just say these kinds of words, and, it's, and it sounds spiritual. I'm just waiting on the Lord. If God's going to do it, he's going to just do it. If it's going to happen, it'll happen. Can I tell you something? If the children of Israel would have talked like that, Joshua and Caleb would have never entered into the promised land. And can I tell you this? The only reason that two of them entered in is because they contended. There were, there were millions of people dying in the wilderness. How many remember the story about the Israelites leaving Egypt, going into the desert, dying? Was it because of God's will that they died? No, they didn't contend. There are some things you're not going to receive in your life unless you contend. I said there's some things that you will not get unless you contend. 
You think the enemy is just going to hand it to you? The Lord wants to give it to you, but we have to contend. What does that look like? Prayer, intercession, fasting. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking like an 80-year-old Pentecostal now. But can I tell you something? Do you know how church to me has been? And I'm not knocking the church. I'm not, a, I'm not a, like a voice crying in the wilderness eating locusts and honey or anything. But I have to tell you this. I didn't hear about all this cancer stuff growing up as a kid. Am I the only one? You know why? It's because all the junk they're putting in our foods. It's what we're putting in our bodies. It's those addictive properties to some of them chicken wings. I speak to myself when I say that. The Lord gave me a revelation through someone. He said, church is just like this. See, back in the days, we had a grandfather who worked the land, had big land, mowing the grass manually. They didn't have all these big bush hogs that mow the grass for them. He physically got out there and he tilled the ground. And back in those days, you have to till the ground yourself manually, plant manually, grow crops and water them manually. It was all manual. But nobody was sick back in those days. You didn't see any sickness and disease. But these days, you have all of this machinery, fertilizers that throw out, you know, really far and seeds that get thrown out really far. Everything is done through mechanics. And we wonder, and they put all this, uh, all these steroids inside this food, causing quick growth. Churches like that these days. See, back in the day to get results, you know what they did? They fasted and they prayed. Try that. But now we just have gatherings and we want to see God move. We get together, we hoop, we holler, we shout, and we think God's just, heaven's going to just come down while we continue in our sinful lifestyles. Y'all want me to tell you the truth, or you just want me to tell you stand up and turn around 10 times and you're going to get your blessing? Or are we tired of that? There's some things that cannot be birthed until you contend for them, meaning you have to pray. You have to fast on some things. Some things won't break until we fast. Some things are not going to happen until you fight for it. But that's what church has turned into. It's just a machinery if I go to church, if I, and then, but then we're seeing all the spiritual defects, the spiritual cancers that have popped up. People are ready to backslide at the drop of a dime because they can't pay a bill. There's no rooted faith in God. Am I telling the truth? Say preach, pastor. We have to get back to the old fundamentals that build strong faith in God. Strong faith unshakable, immovable, always abounding in the Lord. Not moved by any wave or doctrine, not moved by anything, not moved by the storms of life, but rooted in him. Say amen. amen. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Is this too much for you guys? I seem to be being mean today. I seen a preacher the other day. They said, they said, he said, I'm grouchy today. I'm not grouchy. You know what I'm grouchy about? I'm tired of seeing the people of God beat up by sin in their lives. I'm tired of preaching about it. I want to see you walk in it. I want to see you walk in peace. 
I want to see you walk in joy. I want to see you walk in the fulfillment of God's promises. I want to see you walk in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And I'm trying to tell you about the little foxes that spoil the vine, the little sins and weights that easily beset us that keep us from walking in it. How many want to walk in it? Jeremiah 29, verse 13, watch this. And you will seek me and find me. I love this scripture, one of my favorites. And you will seek me and find me when you do what? When you search for me with all of your heart. How many seekers do I have this morning? When I read that verse, although I get excited about it, I always, because I look at scriptures from different angles. Here's what I mean. I I become a pessimist a little bit about it. I'm not claiming that, but I kind of, in other words, when I see you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart, what happens to the person who doesn't seek you with all of their heart? They don't find you. So if you don't seek, you don't find. If you don't pursue him, you'll never get him. If you don't look, you don't find. If you don't seek, you won't find. If you don't ask, it won't be open. And so there is, there is, there is responsibility on our part to walk in the fullness of God's blessing. We are responsible for it. There's something that we have to do. We have to seek. It's up to God to do the miracle, but it's up to you to seek him and believe him for it. And there's a contending that has to happen. Watch what the message version says this, uh, how it says it. It says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and watch this and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I want to ask you something. Are you serious about your relationship with God? Are you serious about seeking him? Are you serious about pursuing him? Are you in love with him? When is the last time you woke up and read a portion of scripture and it melted your heart and you just wanted to be with him? When? I sense he just wants to break hearts for him. This goes so far beyond religious motions. This kind of preaching thins crowds. It's easy. When Jesus did the miracles, it was easy for people to follow him. When he'd raised the dead, he did all the miracles, did what people wanted him to do. Yes, heal. Yes, open blind eyes. The crowds came. But then there's a day that Jesus said this. He, he, he had hard language. He said, do you want to leave too? When he started talking about his body and his blood, Remember that? Do you want to leave too? Because not everybody who goes to church is seeking him. Not everybody who is in the house wants more of him. I don't know about you, but I've had 20 years of services. I can't tell you the thousands of services that I've been in. All I know is we need more than just that. We need a visitation. We need transformation. We need our heart to be changed. I'm tired. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being in services where there's certain things in my heart that are haven't has still not been adjusted and aligned with His heart. Come on, do I got a witness in here? Anybody need a fresh touch? 
And I'll close with this. I'll close with this. You can stand to your feet. I know I was kind of everywhere this morning. But if you leave here with anything, I want you to leave. I want you to leave knowing this. That there, there is a life. I want everybody's attention just for a moment. Please don't get distracted. I, I, want, I need you to hear this, please. There is a life that is outside of two steps forward and three steps back as it relates to your relationship with Christ. Did, did, you, hear, did you hear what I said? There, there is, there, your testimony doesn't have to be, I backslid. What about a testimony of sliding forward this morning? Going from glory to glory and faith to faith. God desires that sin not have any dominion over our lives. And the blood of Jesus has the power to deliver you from anything that you're facing this morning. Any obstacle that you're facing. Any tendency that you're facing. Fear. Insecurity. Lust. You know why preachers don't talk about sin anymore? You want me to tell you why? Can I tell you? They don't, they, most of them can't do it with confidence. There are some, I know some great preachers. Let me just tell you. I know some amazing holy men that would give their last shirt off of their back that spend hours and hours and hours with the Lord and they deeply love him. But I'm afraid of preachers who will not preach about the disease of sin because it doesn't get preached about because most people are struggling with it. I said most people are struggling with it, including the clergy. But you don't have to. I made up in my mind early, Lord, I want to be that one who ascends into your holy hill. Not because of pride, because there's not many people at the top of that hill. I just, it's all a matter of you just want to be with him. I told my good friend Aaron this morning, I said, the Lord told me he doesn't share his throne, but he shares his hill. See that? He doesn't share his throne. He shares his glory with no one, but he shares his hill. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord except he who has clean hands and a pure heart? Can I tell you what the Lord's calling each and every one of you to this morning? Holiness, holiness, purity, righteous living. It adds strength and grace to your life. When you're in sin, you know what I, 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 I felt? For the first 10 to 15 years of my walk with the Lord, I just felt the enemy would lie to me and say, it's, you're always going to struggle with that. You're always going to struggle. That's his whisper. That's his lie. Because the scripture totally opposes that. It says, whoever sins is a slave of sin, but you can become a slave of righteousness, a slave of truth, a slave of purity. And it is a process. But the Lord is here this morning by his spirit to sanctify every person. And I want you to just close your eyes just for a moment. I want you to let the Lord just begin to minister 
to you. Come on, ask him to touch your heart. Ask him, come on, ask the Holy Spirit to begin to inspect your heart. Those things that you think you can't get rid of, the Holy Spirit can touch you and he can set you free. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.